Hi, I'm Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. This week, I'm going to be continuing my personal life lesson series. And in this series, I have been just highlighting some of the key moments in my own journey with Christ, some of the most important spiritual lessons that he has taught me and is continuing to teach me. And so if you haven't caught the first several episodes of this series, I encourage you to go back and listen to those as you have time. I'm sort of walking through the early years of marriage and ministry, some of the hard things that I've walked through, and how truth has been such a powerful tool for freedom and perspective in the midst of all of those things that I've walked through. And this week, I'm going to be talking about taking the lowest place and some lessons that God has taught me about following in his footsteps of humility in a culture that constantly pushes us towards self-promotion. Before we jump in, I wanted to let you know that for a limited time, Eric has an eight-week online program for men available called Honorable Manhood. This was originally designed to walk our own sons through just that clear understanding of godly masculinity and sexuality, but now it's available as an online program that men can join for a donation of any amount, and you'll have access for the rest of this year. It's only available for a limited time, and it's it's just a great tool if you have men in your life, husbands, dads, brothers, sons, who just need that God-infused vision for their masculinity or if they've struggled with sexual issues, this is an incredible resource. And so I encourage you to go to ericludy.com and click on Honorable Manhood or just click the link in this podcast description if you want to know more about that program. Also, I encourage you to check out our Daily Thunder podcast. But right now, Eric is just finishing up a series on spiritual lessons from World War One, And it's so poignant and powerful and practical, even even if you're not a history buff, even if you don't really care that much about world wars, it's really an, an engaging series that, that just brings such incredible truth to the surface and very practical for daily life and for such a time as this that we're living in. So just click the link in this podcast description or go to ellersley.com and click on Daily Thunder if you're interested in tuning into that podcast. So let's talk about taking the lowest place. When I was in my early 20s, and actually, even when I was in my late teens, I became very passionate about writing and music. Those were the two areas that I felt that I had gifts in, and I wanted to use those gifts for the glory of God. People often ask me if I always wanted to be a public speaker, and the answer is definitely no. I didn't ever feel very competent in public speaking. And I highlighted that in a previous episode in this personal life lesson series called An Uncomfortable Calling, because it's interesting how God doesn't always put us in the the area that we feel competent in. A lot of times he takes us out of our comfort zone and uses areas of our life that we don't feel very strong in. And speaking was one of those things for me. But before I became a speaker, I was passionate about writing music, writing books and and singing. And I had a lot of people in my life who told me that I needed to be a good steward of these gifts that God had given me by aggressively building my own platform in making sure that I got noticed for my talents. And this was something that I struggled with quite a bit in my early 20s and as Eric and I were first stepping into ministry. But I remember being in probably late teens at this point and going to a Christian festival. It was a very large music festival. And it was basically all for 
men and women who wanted to become Christian musicians. So it was this huge gathering of hundreds of men and women desiring to break into the Christian music industry or be worship leaders or Christian songwriters. And since that was something that I was really interested in, my parents thought, okay, this is a good opportunity. She can learn from Christian people in this music industry. And none of us really understood the the worldliness that had really crept in and has really crept into the Christian music industry. So it was kind of jarring when I went there and found out that about 80 to 90% of all that was being taught at this Christian music festival was about how to get noticed and push your talent in people's faces and somehow land a record deal. Most of the seminars that I went to were not about worship or writing songs that would give glory to God. There were a few things like that, but most of it was about how to self-promote, how to break into the industry. And I came away from that experience just feeling a lot of pressure, sort of like if I want to be a good steward of my musical gifts, I'm going to have to be very aggressive and make all these demos and send them off to all these record companies and really be aggressive. And I just wasn't sure how to handle that as a young woman in my late teens, wanting to glorify God in these areas of my life, but just not really seeing a path other than this one that was being laid before me which was I needed to be very proactive and and get my name out there. I also remember going to several different Christian writers events. So people who really had the the passion to write books and write in the Christian industry. And I remember specifically sitting in one lecture at a Christian writers conference and he was kind of trying to give us the secrets to getting uh, the next runaway bestseller with our book. And he said, you know, how do you show the world that you have something valuable to say? And then he said, the first thing you need to know is how to shamelessly self-promote your work. Don't wait for the professional writing world to discover you. Market yourself in such a way that they won't be able to ignore you. And then over the next hour, we learned all these techniques that would help us get our talent noticed by anyone and everyone who might somehow help our writing career. So it was things like having an eight by 10 glossy photo taken, which by the way, they also told us to do at the Christian Music Festival, or create this larger than life bio to make ourselves sound really impressive and just constantly putting our our creative work in the hands of any influencer within the Christian world that we could track down. We were told not to miss even one opportunity to draw attention to our gift. I remember leaving that lecture feeling overwhelmed, just like I had after the Christian Music Festival, because this man had said that the only way to be a good steward of my God-given gifts was to shamelessly flaunt and promote them. I started to feel tremendous pressure to somehow prove that I was talented and worth listening to and had something valuable to say. And according to everything that I was hearing, all of the other writers attending the conference were not necessarily comrades in promoting the gospel. They were my competition. I couldn't just learn how to be a good writer. I had to learn how to be a good self-promoter. And it really, when you when you have all these Christian men and women who want to be musicians or want to be writers, and you're constantly telling them, okay, this is like a rat race to get a record deal or get, to get a book contract, you, you pit them against each other. And we became like, you know, jealous of each other. If one person succeeded and another person didn't, it caused all these brief reaches and relationships. And so it really wasn't shoulder to shoulder for the gospel. It was like every person for himself. And I I was really under the impression that in order to be responsible with my talent or my gifts or my desires, which I look back and I think, well, 
my talents were, weren't really that developed at that point anyway, but it was a passion that I had, music and writing. But I needed to do everything in my power to get noticed and applauded. And yet, inwardly, I knew that something about that approach wasn't right. But for the first few years of ministry, I really struggled to know what is the difference between my God-given responsibility and what is crossing the line into self, self-promotion and pride. And then when Eric and I got married and stepped into ministry, the pressure only grew. We wrote our book, and, and I've shared the story on other podcast episodes, but we wrote a very small book about our love story. And the, the main reason we wrote it was because we were kind of tired of verbalizing our love story. People had heard about it. We made a lot of unusual decisions. We invited God into the center of our love story, and that was unusual, especially at that time. And so instead of constantly repeating the story, we thought we'd write it into a book, but then that book got into the hands of a publisher who wanted to publish it, and it just snowballed from there. We were headed to the mission field to become medical missionaries, and God sort of pulled us back from that and showed us that we had the opportunity to speak truth into a generation that desperately needed to hear it. And that was a whole process of, of just dying to my first dream, which was be- to become a medical missionary and saying yes to this this vision of traveling and speaking and, and speaking truth to the younger generation, which is not something I was actually excited to do. But our, our first book became a Christian bestseller, and it was in the top several books on the Christian bestseller list. And once that happened, and, and to be honest, I look back at that book and I think, well, I think it was more just the fact that we were speaking to a generation that was hungry for a better way. I don't think we were really brilliant communicators or amazing writers, but that is why I believe the book became a bestseller. It was just striking a chord of hunger in people's soul. But the pressure to maintain our status as A-level authors was so intense, and the publishing world kind of came around us and always were encouraging us to strategically network with important people and promote our book and not lose our status. And I remember going a couple different times to a a huge booksellers convention. They don't really have them as much anymore now that everything is so digital, but back then it was all printed books, and it was just miles and miles of these booths and these publishers and then the latest and greatest in the Christian publishing industry. And the whole thing was really set up to kind of compete with each other and promote all these new, you know, items. And we were there and we were supposed to sign autographs and speak and promote and network. And the whole thing just felt, it kind of made me sick to my stomach. There were some good things there, some healthy messages and and really neat people there. But there there was a lot of self-promotion going on and a lot of just marketing going on under the banner of Christianity. And I think one of the things that we struggled with was, you know, is this the type of scene where Jesus would come in with a whip and start overturning the money changers table? Because so little of this seems to be God focused. So much of it seems to be self-focused. I remember going on a speaking tour to Australia. It was our first overseas speaking tour. And the way they marketed us was really actually embarrassing when I look back on it, but they had all these posters and these radio ads. Eric and Leslie Ludi will rock you and shock you. You know, it was these youth events. Now we had nothing to do with that. It was whoever was promoting these events and putting on this tour was doing that. But it was just so awkward because the marketing strategies they were trying to use, I think they were justifying it and saying, well, this will get people there. Because if you don't say something that's really going to catch people's attention, they're not going to come in the first place and then they won't hear this truth. But as Eric and I navigated those early years with all this pressure to be self-promoting, we began to recognize this was so far from Jesus' statement, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. 
as Christians, we are called to lift up Jesus and not ourselves. We need to be willing to get out of the way so that he can be seen through our lives. It's not about self-promotion. It's about Christ's promotion. And this is the example we see in the life of John the Baptist. His entire vision was, I must decrease so that Jesus would increase in my life. And he said that his joy was fulfilled. His joy was complete when others saw the bridegroom, Jesus, not when people saw him. And Eric and I began to feel stronger and stronger that this was the path God was calling us to. And that there were, even though there were all these older and supposedly wiser Christians in our life telling us that we needed to be very self-promoting, we felt that God was saying the opposite. You need to decrease. Let me increase through your life. This is not about you or promoting what you have. You need to be lifting me up. And that's the only way I will be truly able to get glory through your life. Now, this was not a popular view in the Christian public publishing or music industry. And to be honest, we got a lot of flack whenever we shied away from those typical marketing tactics and those things that were expected of us by our publishers and by those that were sort of connected with helping our ministry grow. But right around that time, I remember reading a statement from Amy Carmichael's book, If, and it just made everything so crystal clear. She said, if I covet any place except the dust at the foot of the cross, then I know nothing of Calvary love. When I read that statement, my heart so resonated with that. That is what I long for, Lord, to be in the dust at the foot of your cross. I don't want to try to glorify myself. You took the lowest place, Lord. I need to take the lowest place. And I also began to study the lives of world-changing Christians in history, and I saw even more clearly that it wasn't self-promotion or grasping for recognition that caused their lives to make a lasting impact. It was this rare and astounding quality of actually choosing the lowest place, just like Jesus did. Their ability to change the world truly in a lasting and eternal way was the result of turning their eyes away from the glittering success and fame and popularity of the world and fixing their eyes upon a totally different prize. We often believe in today's world that seeking the highest place, that place of human honor and esteem, is the best way to steward our talents, to build an effective ministry, to have a successful career, or maybe in our single years, even to find our future spouse. And that's promoted very heavily. A lot of single women feel a tremendous pressure to market themselves to available men through online matchmaking services and dating apps. It's kind of like if you don't self-promote, you'll never get married. That's the that's the message that they often hear. Social media drives us to gain more likes and friends than the next person. Or if we're career oriented, we're taught to elbow out our competition and climb that ladder of success to get where we want to go. And even ministry for a lot of Christians has become just another way to elevate personal popularity and gain personal recognition. When we study the lives of the Pharisees, that that's what we see. Maybe some of them started out with a genuine desire to be set apart for God and to do God's work, but so easily they fell into that trap of loving the recognition and loving the esteem, and they begin to cling to their position rather than clinging to God. If we are to be set apart for Christ, we are called to walk an entirely different path. We are called to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and become of no reputation. As it says in Philippians 2, 5 through 7, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant. 
Now, the dust at the foot of the cross may not look attractive at first glance, but when we kneel down by that splintery wood, we feel the closeness of his presence. We recognize how much he humbled himself to rescue us. Then there's no other place we'd rather be than the dust at the foot of the cross. When we start to walk as he walked, all those earthly accolades seem so worthless compared to knowing him and having the privilege of sharing in his sufferings. And part of his suffering was that he gave up his his throne. He, he made himself of no reputation. He was treated like dirt by so many people, and he actually chose that in order to rescue us. Paul says in Philippians 3, 8 through 10, Yet indeed I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ, that I may know him and the fellowship of his sufferings. That's a shorter version of that passage, but it is so poignant, so powerful. And in the Psalms, we read better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Just one day with Jesus is better than a thousand away from him. Just standing at his threshold is better than sitting at the greatest feast on earth in the greatest position of human honor. Why would we ever seek any other honor but the honor of sharing in the fellowship of his sufferings, the honor of knowing him intimately and personally? He is the king of all kings. So why would we settle for that counterfeit of human earthly applause? Jesus said to the Pharisees, how can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? That's in John 5, So let's not trade the honor of our king for that cheap counterfeit of earthly popularity. Even if you are not in ministry, feeling those same kind of pressures that Eric and I felt in those early days, it is so easy to fall into that trap of self-promotion and forget that calling to take the lowest place like Jesus did. As women today, we are often tempted to spend time and energy making sure we are noticed, ensuring that we don't get overlooked, putting ourselves in front of others so they'll notice all that we have to offer. And sometimes we even try to spiritualize it, thinking if we promote ourselves, we'll become influential for God's kingdom. Or in our single years, we'll finally find our future husband and fulfill our call to be married. And there are plenty of Christian books and messages out there that say those things. But we need to get back to what God says. Matthew 16, 24, if anyone would come after me, Jesus says, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And as we've talked about in other episodes, that word deny means to forget oneself and to put out of the way entirely, to put self out of the way entirely. In Luke 14, 11, he says, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. In Mark 10, 44, Jesus says, whoever of you will be the chiefest, let him be the servant of all. And then, of course, that amazing picture that Jesus gives us in washing the disciples' feet. And then he says, if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. And then in James 4, 6, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. In God's kingdom, we see that recognition and honor is not sought after and strived after. It is given by God alone. And it comes to those who have not exalted themselves, but to those who have taken the lowest place. 
only those who have been faithful in the small things will be invited to be faithful in bigger things. He doesn't call us to be noticed and applauded by the world. He calls us to decrease more and more that he might increase within us. I love what Ian Thomas wrote, and I've used this statement before, but it fits so perfectly here. The Christian life can be explained only in terms of Jesus Christ. And if your life as a Christian can still be explained in terms of you, your personality, your willpower, your gift, your talent, your money, your courage, your scholarship, your dedication, your sacrifice, or your anything, then although you may have the Christian life, you are not yet living it. Amy Carmichael said, he that is down cannot get between God and his glory. There is nothing that he cannot do through us if only we are nothing. So I challenge you today to allow God's searchlight to shine within your soul in this area. Here are a few questions to prayerfully consider. And these are questions that God brings me back to on a regular basis because humility and taking the lowest place is not something you just decide to do one day and then it's just locked in for the rest of your life. There are always new challenges, new temptations to kind of take take that role of self-promotion rather than that role of humility. So here are the questions. Have I become self-promoting? in any area of my life? Do I feel that I need to fight to be noticed and seen and appreciated? Am I willing to take the lowest place and serve unnoticed behind the scenes? Or do I feel the need to be recognized? Am I trying to be seen by the opposite sex and use self-promotion to get attention from guys? Do I trust God to write my love story, my life story, my ministry story without human promotion, striving, and manipulation? If God convicts you in any of these areas, I encourage you to ask him for the grace to repent, to turn, to walk the other direction. And instead of wasting time building up your own image and reputation, begin taking the lowest place in the practical day-to-day areas of life. Show love to people who are needy and overlooked, people who can't boost your status on social media or your popularity rating. Be willing to do the undesirable tasks, take the unglamorous roles, and begin living for the smile of heaven rather than the approval of others. When we take the lowest place, our lives will bring glory to his name, even if no one ever knows ours. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into building a Christ-centered life, please visit us at setapartgirl.com and see the many resources that we have for you there. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.